I have the great pleasure this morning of introducing our last guest speaker during Brian, Pastor Brian's sabbatical. Pastor Brian will be back next week, but uh, we are in for a treat this morning. Reverend Evan Lash, I, I, I'm guessing there are a few of you here who have met him. He's been a part of the Clay congregation uh, for a while now, retiring from active well, not really retiring, but retiring from ministry in 2016. Um, Reverend, Reverend Evan and his wife, Barbara, um, have come to Clay Church. Uh, I, have a whole, I have a whole thing here, and I'm going to mess it up. So I'm really sorry. Anyway, um, they met when they were still lay folks in Jackson, Michigan, Reverend Lash was working at Kraft Foods at the time. Uh, his wife, Barbara, uh, was teaching Northeast Special Education Cooperative uh, for, with some very special children. They worked together at that time in their uh, church's senior high group, uh, and then they answered the call together, uh, answered the call to ministry, and Reverend Ash, um, Evan got his MDiv from United Theological Seminary in Dayton, Ohio. They have served churches together in Dayton, Germantown, Elkhart, Fort Wayne, LaPelle, and LaPorte, and I think I have the whole list. Uh, since retirement in 2016, he has been doing some interim work in churches that have needed an interim pastor and then helping out pastors when they've been on vacation. Uh, the Lashes have two sons. Chris is an engineer and lives in Hudsonville, Michigan with his wife, Renee, and their five-month-old son, Samuel. Greg lives in Chicago and is a motion, motion graphics designer. That sounds fascinating. Um, Evan says that he first got to know Brian when he was doing youth work with the conference. That would be the Indiana conference. But I, he said he knows him best as his pastor since they attend here at Clay Church right, regularly. So let's give a really warm Clay Church welcome to Reverend Evan Lash this morning. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you very much, and thank you. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Maybe you've said that yourself. Maybe you've had that conversation with someone or, or, or some family member, and you know, you said, I, I just don't know what to do. I can't tell you how many times as a pastor people have come to me and, and just said that. I don't know what to do. Just tell me. And perhaps you've had that conversation. I know I've had that conversation myself many times with God. God, I just don't know what to do. Just tell me. Choices are a big part of life. We have to make uh, decisions uh, every single day. And I'm afraid that we're not very good at it. I think one of, the, uh, one of the real problems that we have in our world and our, our society today is we don't want to make choices. We'd rather react. Something happens, and I react. Something goes on over here, and I react makes it more of a physics problem than it does a way of life. 
It's, uh, it's been interesting to, uh, to look at the way in which this series on the Gospel of John uh, has, has been unfolding and the different passages that uh, pastors like me have picked out and say, okay, let's take a look at, at this one and, and the different ways in which uh, pastors have talked about, well, you know what I like about John? Well, what I like about John is that the Gospel of John is written to help us make decisions. Could we hit the next slide? Life is full of decisions to make. And it's important to know how to make good decisions. And I think that the Gospel of John, certainly Jesus, was trying to help us make good decisions. I've got a little film clip just for fun uh, to kind of get us in the mood to think about making choices. Okay, <clears throat> you have chosen wisely. I mean, does that, that get you in the mood? I mean, is, wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be great uh, to find out when you had a big decision in your life to make? If, uh, if you found out just that quickly, you have chosen wisely. But it's not that easy. It's just not that easy. Let's move on to the next slide. Faith, hope, and love... Are choices. You know, if you if you think about them in that way, or or think about what it is that Jesus is trying to teach us in how to make decisions about life, but I want to suggest to you that faith, hope, and love are choices. We can decide at any moment of any given day what to do. We can always be proactive instead of reactive, but it requires us to make some choices in what we do. Too many uh, choices that we make, too many choices that we see uh, made in the world around us uh, have to do uh, with, with the ways in which folks are acting unfaithfully, unlovingly, and ways in which people are making decisions because they have no hope. My friends, we are the people of faith, hope, and love. And if we don't make those choices, if we don't live out those choices in our own life, who's going to do it? That's us. That's our task. That's what we're about. Hit the next slide. I want to take a look at this uh, scripture passage uh, today. 
I wasn't sure whether I'd be able to read that off the screen there. That's one of the things that comes with advancing age. But I can read that. But I want to take a look at this passage today because I think there are ways in which uh, we're, we're learning how to make choices by taking a, a look at the way that these people made choices. You know, John is laying out his gospel that way. Uh, John's gospel is written uh, a, a generation later than the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. A generation later. Uh, many, many of the eyewitnesses are gone. Yeah, there are, there are some uh, that are still around, but what John wants to do is help people to choose to believe, to choose faith, hope, and love. And so he tells these stories, and it's all about people asking questions uh, from, uh, you know, from the time when uh, Nic Nicodemus is in the garden with Jesus and asks, what must I do to have eternal life? Throughout the gospel, we have the answers to these questions. So let's take a look at the passage. This is John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Now you remember about three weeks ago, Reverend Shannon Springer was here and she told the first half of this story. She told about, about the, uh, the death of Lazarus and the raising of Lazarus. And this, this, this is a few days later, maybe a couple weeks later. We're having, and, and so we're having this party. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an inexpensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Okay, use your nose, take in a deep breath. Can you smell that? It's, it's a heavy, sweet fragrance. Imagine that. But one of Jesus' disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray Jesus, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to keep himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Deuteronomy 15, 11. We've got the first part of that verse here. You will always have the poor among you. The second part of that verse is, I command you to be open-handed toward them. Okay? Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. John wants us to make that choice. John wants us to see that many were going over to believe in him, and John wants us to make that same choice. Faith, hope, love. 
believing in Jesus, living according to Jesus. Next slide. Okay. Well, we got, we've got this uh, town of, of uh, Bethany. Uh, Bethany was a, uh, a village, uh, 60 to 100 families, uh, where all the people that, that lived there, uh, it's believed that these were uh, working class folks who were primarily worked as servants in Jerusalem. And so it's about two miles away. You can see that, that um, little map there at the bottom of it. And way down in the corner, you've got Bethany. Uh, you, you would travel through Bethpage uh, over the Mount of Olives uh, into Jerusalem. And part of the reason I wanted to do this is because this is next Sunday. I'm sure that Brian is going to be talking about the path that Jesus took on Palm Sunday, which would have been this path. So you have this two-mile trip picked up the, 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 the colt in Bethpage, uh, got on the colt, rode over the Mount of Olives, down through the Kidron Valley, back up to the, to the mount. So this is, this, this is the setting. Bethany, this is the setting for this dinner today. Next slide. Jesus is the main character of this story. Jesus has already made his choice. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus has already made the choice. I, I like these uh, words from the, from the offertory anthem today. I choose you to be my beloved. I choose you to be my joy. I choose you to live with me forever. I choose you. I choose you. Those are singular yous. Those are personal yous. I choose you. And following up on that statement from Jesus to you is, who do you choose? Next slide. Okay, I want to take a look at these characters in, in the uh, story. I uh, want you to think, of, we want to think about each one and the part they played in the story and kind of what we see in, in terms of the decision that they made. So we got Lazarus, Mary, Martha, Judas Iscariot, the crowd, the chief priests, the disciples, and of course we know that Jesus already has chosen us. Let's take a look at these uh, one by one. Okay, Lazarus. You know, what, what are the words that you remember that Lazarus spoke? Can, can you uh, come up with your favorite scripture verse that has a passage, uh, some kind of conversation that Lazarus had with anybody? There isn't any. Jesus, Lazarus didn't say anything at any time, at any place. If Lazarus was here today and, and Jesus was here side by side, our first question would probably be for Lazarus. Well, what was dying like? Did you see a bright light? What was that experience like for those three days? Glad you're here, Jesus. But no, we didn't have any conversation from Lazarus. Lazarus is, uh, the, the full thing that he said was he's there. That's all that's, all, all Lazarus has to do the rest of his life is just, hi, I'm Lazarus. What else do you need to know? So this is, this is Lazarus. The, the dinner is given in his honor. We don't hear anything about Lazarus. He's there. What more do you need to know? 
Let's go on to the sisters. <laughs> yeah, Mary and Martha. Oh, I think of them. I think Martha sometimes gets short shrift, and you know they got this story uh, told in a slightly different way in the other gospels, but it, but not in John's gospel. In John's gospel, we're we're told that each each uh, Mary and Martha both have uh, roles to play. I'm assuming from the way they act that Martha is the oldest, and that Mary is the baby. So Martha's, Martha's serving. I mean, she's, uh, she is the hostess for this party. Jesus is coming over, and she's the hostess, and so she's serving because that's what she does. And I'm guessing Mary's not helping her because Martha says, you'll just get in the way. So we've got, so we got Martha. Martha is serving. She's, she is doing her thing. And she is the hostess, and she's serving. And Mary, on the other hand, got out this expensive perfume. We're, we're told a year's wages was what this cost. I don't know what Chanel number that is, but that is, that is out there somewhere. She pours it on his feet. Wipes it off with her hair. Why not? Okay. Mary and Martha, only a few days before, have experienced the death of their brother. I mean, he was really dead. He was in the tomb for three days. How many times did they think during those three days, what if? What would I do? What would I say if I had one more hour with my brother? And then he's back. But I can't help but think that the, what they learned from that profound experience was just how precious this moment is. Just how very precious this time is because we're finite people. And this moment right now, this, this might be it. What can I say? What can I do in this moment now? And so Mary is there with her expensive perfume, with her long hair let down in front of this room full of men, and she's thinking to herself, Jesus, I just want you to know how I feel about you. I don't want to let this moment go by. I don't want to let anything unsaid. I don't want to leave anything undone. Because this might be it. Maybe she knows better than everybody else just how close they are to having to say goodbye to Jesus. But she's not going to miss this moment. She's going to take advantage of it. Take a look at the next slide. Here's poor Judas. 
we know that Judas was a zealot. Judas was interested in the overthrow of the Roman government. He was undoubtedly thankful that he was living in this moment when the Messiah had returned and he was going to be part of this revolution. And I think, personal opinion, personal opinion, I think that Judas's biggest problem was he thought he had a better plan than Jesus had. I know what needs to happen. Jesus, I know you can do it. We're here celebrating the fact that you, can, you have power over death. I don't know what in the world you're waiting for. We need to do something, and we need to do it now. And if you're not going to do it, I'm going to push you into doing it. And so he's in this moment that Mary is experiencing as, this is my only chance to tell Jesus how much I love him. And Judas says, what you're doing is foolish. It's a waste. What's the point in this? And Judas misses the moment like he's missed so many other moments, like he's going to miss moments that are coming up. He just blew it. What choice did Judas make? And Jesus' response to Judas is, leave her alone. Just this one moment, can't you let her be herself? This is her choice to make, not yours. Next slide. Okay, we got the crowd. We hear that the crowd is coming. And they got, I mean, this is, uh, you know, who, who's the headliner here? It's hard to say. They, they're coming to see that uh, uh, Jesus, of course. Uh, they're also coming to see Lazarus. We're told that it's six days before the Passover. So people are coming from around the world who may have never had a chance to see Jesus. And if they're in this small town where you've got a resurrected Lazarus, the story's out about Lazarus too. And, and so however many thousands a hundred thousand of folks gathered into Jerusalem for Passover every year. You've got some of those folks that have come to town, and wow, this is an event. And they find themselves in, in, in Bethany to, 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 to see the latest guy and to see this guy, Lazarus. And so they're there. And John tells us on account of Lazarus, Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. So we got the crowd. And some people in the crowd are making decisions. 
They're making a choice that will change their life. Next slide. Okay, we've got the chief priests. I, I mean, there's all kinds of uh, ways to take a look at the, at the chief priests and understand what, what they were up to and the kinds of decisions that they were making. And, and for me, it's, it's, it's complicated. They are the, the spiritual leaders of the nation. They are hereditary leaders. The chief priests, the, the, the ruling council, the Sanhedrin, uh, these, these folks uh, were speaking for everybody and they thought that the decision had already been made. They thought that they were the chosen. There's no choice to make. Decision's been made, and we're it. And anybody threatens that is on the side of evil. Got a bunch of evildoers, blasphemers, sinners, and chief among them is this guy Jesus. And whatever it takes, we're going to rid ourselves, we're going to rid our nation of this guy. That's the choice they made. Next slide. Then we've got the disciples. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't know. Uh, every day, every day, you're, you're with this guy all day long. Every day, you see the way in which Jesus interacts with people. Uh, you see all the things that are going on. And, and you're, you're part of this ministry. And yet, well, maybe I didn't quite get it. Maybe I didn't quite understand. And, and you know, I, I'm always thinking when you read about the disciples in the, in the gospel that, yeah, they're right there. They're right with him. And we know that you are the Son of God. We know that you are the Messiah. And boy, when you need us, I don't know where we'll be. But when you really need us, we'll be somewhere. I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, uh, uh, the, the, the story goes that only John was there with who knows how many women at the foot of the cross as Jesus is dying. But the disciples, you know, the women are first to the tomb. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. They're, you know, well, maybe. <laughs> maybe I understood, maybe I didn't. They will come to believe. Next slide. Okay. So, the Gospel of John, this is, my, this is my point, the Gospel of John is filled with choices uh, that, that, that people have made. 
and we get to see these folks. You know, we just looked at these folks that, that are part of this story, and we get to see them, and we get to see the choices that they made and what they did, and John is telling their story as examples for us. Here, this, this is what these people did. What will you do? Our daily life is often a series of choices. Choose wisely. When you get up in the morning, you know, I mean, one of, one of my regular routines is uh, uh, when I get up in the morning is, Alexa, what's the weather? And Alexa tells me what the weather's going to be. And, <coughs> excuse me, there's you know, some, some way in which I'm trying to plug into, okay, what, what kind of day is this going to be? You know, the, 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 the first news I, I read or see or hear in the morning, I'm, I, you know, well, what kind of day is this going to be? That's all wrong. When I wake up, I ought to be deciding what kind of day it's going to be. And live my life accordingly. I can choose to be faithful. I can choose to be loving. I can choose to be hopeful. And boy, you need to choose to be hopeful every day. The kinds of news that we get all the time, choose to be hopeful. That's what being a Christian is all about, is knowing that tomorrow will be better than today. And the day after that is going to be better than tomorrow. And so on into your future. But it's a choice. Our daily life gives us opportunities to live according to those choices that we make. Okay, if I choose to be hopeful today, how does that affect the way I'm going to live my life today? If I choose to be loving when I get up in this morning, how does that affect the way I'm going to live my life today? If I choose to be faithful, what does that mean I'm going to be doing today? Opportunities. And when we live our faith, we serve as examples. Next slide. Okay, we know that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were clearly close to Jesus. We're told that a couple chapters before the passage today. We're told by Mary and Martha in that passage that they both knew Jesus, both loved Jesus, both knew that Jesus loved Lazarus, they already knew. They, they had already made that decision. They knew what to do, and they expressed their faith clearly in Jesus. That was what I got out of Shannon Springer's message to us. They represent three ways to be faithful. Silent witness. I'm here, aren't I? An organized doer who gets things done and a faithful, devoted worshiper of Jesus. A family that has experienced sadness. A family that has experienced death. A family that has experienced new life. They made their choice 
to follow Jesus. Next slide. Okay, wake up, wake up. I don't know if you napped off at any time during this, but if, if you did, it's time to come back. This is what I was trying to do. And this is the takeaway I've got for you for this morning. God is offering you a relationship, a choice to believe in Jesus or to ignore him, to love Jesus or not, to love and to serve God, to seek truth or deny it. Choose. And one last thought. On the next slide, got a, a, a passage to give to you from 3,400 years ago. This is uh, Joshua uh, talking to the Hebrew folks, telling them this is a new beginning. And what I want you to do is to choose, to choose this day whom you will serve. The gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, you have chosen us and you've asking us to make choices. How to live, how to love, how to be, how to serve, how to be yours. Bless us in the choices we make this day. Amen.